Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Welcome to Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. Hi, I am Margie Lane Klubine with Write Integrity Press, and welcome to Publishing Lane. We're part of the Along Came a Writer Network, and we share um, at 7 o'clock, first first Tuesday of every month, um, 7 p.m. Central Time, and we talk about the current publishing atmosphere and all its challenges and strategies because, boy, we need strategies when we're trying to navigate these waters. Sometimes publishing can be terribly tricky, but learning your way through this process is important because you have stories that you need to tell, and those stories need to get into the hands of readers, and that's what we're here for. So today's show is all about how to get those stories into the hands of an audience. But before we begin that, I want to introduce my special guest. I'm so excited. Today is not only Publishing Lane Radio Day, it is also the release day for an exciting new Christian thriller. Oh, this is this when I say exciting, it goes beyond suspense. This is Haven's Flight, and it's book number one of a new series called The Hunted. Oh, is that not the coolest series title for a group of suspense books? Ugh. I want to introduce the author of this exciting suspense. This is Dina Netherton. Hi, Dina. Hi, Margie. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be here tonight. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Now, I know this book has been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yes. Actually, the idea for Haven's Flight came to me way back when I was a little teenager. This image popped into my mind of this blonde, pretty young woman standing in the snowy field surrounded by dark forest. And she was looking over her shoulder anxiously as if she were being followed I didn't know back then that this girl was being stalked. I didn't even know what stalking was. And, of course, I hadn't developed any kind of story yet. Um, just that this young woman was alone and she was scared. So, anyway, oh gosh, the image in my mind, it wouldn't go away. So, I thought, well, maybe I can make it go away by just sketching it. So, I took out an artist sheet of paper and I sketched a picture of the woman and then I put the drawing in my desk and I shut the drawer. But every time I opened my desk drawer, there she was. 
And so there she I found was. myself looking. Yes, yeah, so I kept looking at the picture and going, well, who is she? Why is she running away? So um, during my many sleepless nights, um, I am an insomniac, so I have lots of sleepless nights, even uh, then. So I started to compose a story around her. And in between my teen years and actually writing the book, I kept mentally adding bits and pieces to the story and kind of solidifying the concept of how a faith-filled person would deal with fear. So I had the idea, yeah, I had the idea of my main character, Haven, although I didn't call her Haven until I actually started to write the book about 10 years ago. And Uh, then I had the idea that she would have to find a hiding place in the forest from what threat I didn't yet know. And I hadn't come up with the idea of the bad guy and his story. I also knew that there would have to be some kind of romance but it wasn't going to happen until later in the story. And eventually I realized that my story needed to be more than one book because time passes and my main character, Haven, matures, and then I introduce new people into her life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I really love the way that Haven's Flight is a focused suspense. I mean, most of the books that I read are romantic suspense. I'm sorry. That's just kind right. of my thing. I like romantic suspense. Yeah. But I love the fact that this is wholehearted suspense. I mean, thriller type suspense. I, I've, I've had, I've actually, your editors both said the same thing. Oh my gosh, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> it was <laughs> It was that fun. It was that fun. And so they, this is a that is thriller. So good to know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, the, the funny thing is I actually wrote the second book in my head before the first book. But as I worked it out again in my head, I realized that I needed another book to introduce Haven, her desire to heal from the trauma of having witnessed her mother's murder and her experiences mm-hmm. at the wilderness therapy camp that she goes to. And then the awful circumstance of being watched and hunted by a crazy guy. Yes. Oh, he is creepy as I'll get out. He is. Oh, dear. I I feel sorry for him. You know, you know how um, when you create a bad character, but he's still kind of your baby. And so even though like when your children do something wrong, you still love them. And so um, I, I care a lot for my bad character and I, I feel bad that he's so messed up. You know, I'm glad you feel bad that he's messed up, but Dina, he's messed up. <laughs> he, is, he is truly messed up. He's truly evil. He is evil. truly messed up. He, he really is a, I can't say he's a, I, what's, what's the word? I can't say he's a, um, a character that I have any sympathy for. Well, no, that's not, not entirely true. I do have I do have sympathy for him because he's so messed up, but he's just so bad that it's it's okay. I'm I'm not feeling sorry for him. Um, yeah, you know, a, a lot of people have asked me how I got the idea for my book, and um, I'd have to say it's probably a combination of movies that I've seen and newspaper articles uh-huh. about stalking victims, and then something that happened to me. I don't know if you want to hear about this. You know, it's kind of creepy. Oh, no, I do. I do. Tell me. Tell me. Okay. 
Well, I think you know this, but our listeners probably don't. So years ago, when I was living and working in downtown San Francisco, I had this creepy experience with a guy who kept following me. And oh, that's right. Oh, was, that's right. Yeah. I remember that. I was, you told um, me about that. Right. I was in a travel agency. Remember those? <laughs> and uh, I, yeah. was, I was getting a flight ticket. So I'm waiting in line, and there was this man that was standing a few people behind me, and he had these dark glasses on, and he was he was kind of, you know, sometimes even when they've got dark glasses on, you kind of know that they're looking at you. And uh, yeah. um, anyway, so when I got done, he all of a sudden stepped out of line, and he asked me a question, and since I was trained to be polite, I answered his question, and then he must have thought I was interested in him. And then later on, the guy kept popping up at weird times after work. And I didn't know anything about stalkers in those days. Yeah, I, I guess I figured if I were polite but firm, he'd eventually go away. But one day he found out where I worked, and he showed up there, and he waited for me. And I'm oh. thinking, how in the world did he find out? I never told the guy where I worked. So either he followed me or I don't know how. But it was, um, fortunately, it was my last day of work. So I ducked out, and I got away. <laughs> But, you know, Margie, I have never forgotten how scared I felt looking over my shoulder and wondering if this man was watching me. I oh, mean, my gosh. If, the guy, if he could find I, out where I worked, then what if he found out where I lived? So oh, that is just that terrifying to me. Yeah. Well, and I got to tell you, that's the me. feeling. That's that's the feeling that I had while I was reading your book. While I was reading Haven's Flight, yeah. my shoulders were up the entire time. It was this creepy, oh my gosh, is there something going on behind me type of, of feeling. It's just, I, I didn't, I mean, I literally had trouble breathing because it was that kind of a creepy feeling. And yet, you know, some people have said, oh, I don't like to read creepy books. I go, well... There's, it's, it's more than just creep. It's a story. Oh, yeah. is, it's a real story. And the creepy experience that happened to me earlier really helped me to tap into the fear that Haven would mm -hmm. feel as she tries to elude her own stalker. Well, and it's such a deep, um, it's got such depth to it. Your, your um, faith art is um is really strong because she really has to she has to deal with her fear and when i say creepy yeah you're right it has that feeling to it but there is so much more going on in this story um because she's having to deal with from a from a christian point of view she's having to deal with the fear that is all consuming and and paralyzing to her and more than right. once so right. i right. i just and loved it and i love question. the yeah, the big question in the book is, how do you deal with, when you go through a terrible experience, the, the first thing we feel in our flesh is that, well, where was God? Why didn't God stop this from happening? God's not uh, here. God doesn't care. And so Haven, she kind of wrestles with that throughout the entire book. And yeah. there's kind of a satisfying um, ending, even though it's not really the end, but kind of an ending where she comes to realize that the Lord was there all that time. He doesn't, you know, he's promised us that we're going to go through some hard times in this life. But he said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. 
I love that verse. I absolutely love that verse. That's one of my favorite verses because I keep reminding myself every time something rough happens, I go, yeah, okay, Jesus never promised that we were going to have an easy time in this life. (laughs) So anyway, Margie, after I wrote the first book, the one that's coming out today, um, I wrote the second book much more quickly. I already had it in my head. And so it just kind of spilled out on paper a lot more quickly than the first one. Um, In that story, Haven still has to deal with the bad guy, but um, Uh also an old friend shows up and there is a new romance that happens too. I am looking forward to that part. I really am looking forward to that part. And then you also have a third story too on this. Right. In book three, which is coming out next year, I'm told, (laughs) um, Ah. I introduce new characters into the mix. And this one starts out the same way where you just feel like, oh, oh no. And the whole rest of the book is kind of like that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that sounds like fun. But okay, so you had yeah. these three books begging to be published. Okay, you've, you've written them, you've mm-hmm. worked on them. That's where an awful lot of writers find themselves. They have struggled mm-hmm. through their stories. They've poured in tears. They've poured in effort. It's all the anxiety and the angst of getting them together. They finally reach that amazing, that satisfying ending. And now what? How does a writer attain the rank of mm-hmm. author? Okay, mm-hmm. I just said something really awful because I want to clear something up. Folks that are listening, if you have written a book, guess what? You are an author. You don't have to have anything else on the, on the back end of your name. You are an author. You've written a book. Wouldn't you agree with me, Dina? Totally. Yes, yes, yes. If you have the creativity and the patience, the patience to write an entire book, you are an author. I've had many people who say, oh, you know, I would just love to write a book, but I can't imagine how you could write all those many words. <laughs> so, but <laughs> yeah. even after you write a book, there's that challenge of finding people to read your manuscript and give you an honest opinion of your writing. Um, it wasn't funny at the time, but now I look back and I giggle when I think of how I approached getting published after I'd written the first book in my The Hunted series. Uh, Uh There was a writer's conference in Estes Park, Colorado, and I was living up there in the Colorado mountains. So Uh I registered and I took my baby there to find an agent and maybe even a publisher. And, you know, it never entered my mind that a publisher might not be as enthusiastic about my story (laughs) as I was. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, after all, this is the book. It is no such an amazing book, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea how hard it is to get a book published. I guess I kind of I... thought I'd be like the author of Gone with the Wind, you know, Margaret Mitchell. Yes, I would walk yes. up to a publisher and I would say, here is my book. And yeah. the publisher would take my printed manuscript home with him, my printed manuscript, <laughs> and He'd eagerly thumb through every page, and then finally he'd declare, this is it. Give that lady a contract. So, <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't quite work that way, Dina. <laughs> yeah, 
But you know that I yeah, kind of just have this Hollywood eyes kind of. I have this Hollywood eyes I, idea of what it was like, and um, you know, at that same conference I went to, I paid an extra fee to have the first fifteen pages critiqued, and it was given by a professional writer. So before we started, I met with her, and we're sitting together, and we're looking at each other, and I noticed that she had this kind of wary look on her face, Uh and then she said, before we begin, let's pray. Oh, boy. Oh, oh no. It's so bad. (laughs) That's actually a really good thing to do, but at the same time, it's like, is it that bad? (laughs) I know. How could my excellent manuscript have any flaws? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I, I happened to glance at the ex- excerpt that she was holding in her hands. It was mine. And I saw all sorts of red marks on the pages. And I just in my head, it was like, oh, no. Oh, but, she made know, it bleed. Yes, yeah, she did. She did. It was it was bleeding. <laughs> but that that's okay. The better was to learn so from. That's, that's the way to learn. That's, yes. That's right. And you know, I was at that stage where I didn't know that I didn't know. And yeah. that is, you, all writers have to go through that. And it's painful. It's kind of like, you know, when you have a toddler and they start getting up and they start letting go of the furniture and then they take a few spills and, you know, they have to go through that process. And I had to go through that process too. And the critiquer said, you have a really great idea, but your writing will be better. She said this so nicely. <laughs> When you join some writing groups and take some writing yeah. courses and make sure you keep uh, attending writing conferences. Well, I, you know, your story sounds an awful lot like my story. And my story, before I was pu- a publisher, of course, I was an author. And I spent mm-hmm. years working and stroking on one story after another and and I was just playing with it I mean it was just it was just fun to me to just write a little Mm -hmm. bit and and not go any further my mom challenged me um, and folks a lot of folks have heard this story from me before my mom challenged me one time I was I had a successful scrapbooking business um, and I went to lunch with her and she said okay I'm gonna just ask you if money and and time were not an issue if neither of those were mm-hmm. issues what would you be doing and I had no I had uh, just absolutely no hesitation I said I'd be writing and I surprised myself because I liked scrapbooking and I loved teaching and I was able to teach and do cards and stuff like that but I really really loved writing and it didn't su- mm-hmm. it didn't surprise my mom and she's like well then why aren't you doing it so I thought okay I am going to finish this little story that I've been dabbling with and I cracked down and I finished that puppy and I took that amazing you. story I did I took that amazing story it was <laughs> absolutely remarkable it's in the trash now but it was absolutely remarkable then oh um, no no it's no it's not it's been totally rewritten at some point it may actually come into the see the light of day but um I took that story um after I went to an ACFW DFW Ready Riders chapter of ACFW I went to one of their meetings and there Mm -hmm. were some wonderful people there I think I mentioned Lena Nelson Dooley and also Janice um Olson was there and I was invited to their critique groups and they had one was on Tuesday and one was on Thursday and I thought 
well, I'm going to just blow their minds. And I, I mean, listen to me. I'm so conceited. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I actually thought that, but it was so good to me, you know? And so anyway, I went to the first meeting and oh, they were so, so kind. It was just, they were so gentle and it was like, um, you know, have you considered not using the word was in every sentence? <laughs> And, uh, you really probably want to start with the story and, and not with everything that she was thinking for the last four years of her life. Oh, I, <laughs> I am telling you, it was just, they were so gentle and so kind. Well, I gotta tell you, I went back every Tuesday, every Thursday, I was driving 45 minutes to an hour and a half to get to these critique mm -hmm. writers. And I, it was it was solid gold. I learned so much, not only from the critiques that they gave me on my work, because I would literally I would take one Tuesday night's work. I would take their points and I would go through the entire manuscript and I'd fix those points through the entire manuscript. Yeah. And then Thursday, yeah. I would take the next section. And boy, I better not see that comment come up again on Thursday night. Because it was, and it was a totally different group, but I was like, I better not see uh -huh. that come up again. And I would take their points and I'd take the weekend and go through the entire manuscript to make sure all of their points were done. So by the time I got to the end of this manuscript or real close to the end of this manuscript, I had gone through an awful lot of changes with it. Um, and of course, yeah. I had a slew of books and that was just then that was just to get things started. Um I went through several classes. I had online critique groups and then I have critique partners. I still have some critique partners that are solid gold to me that I work my manuscripts through when I'm writing. Um, I haven't actually right. written since I took over Write Integrity Press. I haven't actually gotten to write at all um, until last Thursday. And one of my buds, one of my writing buds said, we are writing today for two hours. Come and join me. I expect you at five o'clock. And so we met Aww. at McAllister's and wrote for two hours, uh, oh, because I'm she was insistent to do that. Oh, and it uh -huh. felt so good. So anyway, you know, so after, a, yeah. I'm or sorry, you, what were you saying? I was going to say your story sounds, I can so relate to your story because um my publishing story is so similar to that uh-huh well and um, and I, I ended up go ahead yeah there's this delay i bought tons of books <laughs> on writing and um i used them while i was traveling in like an hour and a half to my my writers group too and then everything i learned from listening to other people's getting their works um critiqued I learned uh -huh. from that even more than my own because of course there's way more people than just you and so um, sure. hearing those critiques I went back and I took the notes and was like okay I'm going to make sure that I incorporate that or I don't make that mistake and then I also noticed that when we actually did the critiques that when you contribute your own thoughts you're kind of learning as you're as you're doing that uh -huh. um, and so um, I started keeping a big notebook where I jotted down stuff from books that I was reading, like um, what a I'd have brilliant a section idea. That was, yeah, it was, it was a section where one section was just descriptions and then the next section was just metaphors. And then oh, another it. section was settings and then characterizations. And then 
maybe if I see some really great dialogue and I want to learn from that, then I wrote, I just kind of write down, I'd always write, you know, what the, what the book was, what the page was and, and um, uh-huh. who wrote it so that I don't ever use it myself. <laughs> but yeah, it was, yeah, I it think was, it was uh, fine. I have a bad yeah. memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I kept going to conferences too. And I kept having my manuscripts critiqued. And each time the critiques got more positive. So one professional oh, critiquer awesome. said, my story was really good, but I needed to develop my bad guy. And I hadn't really, I thought so much about my main character I hadn't thought too much about what motivated my bad guy. Why, why is he bad in the first place? And why does he do what he does? So I had this one writer, professional writer who writes suspense. She looked at my book and she said, well, I like the story, but you've got to flesh out this bad guy more. And so I went uh-huh. home from that conference and I spent the next six months rewriting my baby again and then by this time, I had written the second book of the series, and I had written uh-huh. a romance novel, too. And then I, I had written four or five more articles for Christian publishers. So it's all of this sounds very similar to your, yeah. your journey. Well, and I, I was delighted that when my manuscript was finally, now I say it was my manuscript, it wasn't the manuscript I started with. That one, I still have it in a drawer somewhere. I've actually pulled it out and tried to do a little rewriting on it. It will be rewritten because I have a Mm -hmm. spot for it in my series. Um, But Counterpoint, which is my book that came out last um, November, Counterpoint was actually the second manuscript I wrote. And when I took it through the very same critiquing and the same the same classes, I once it was polished, I was delighted to sign with an agent, and it, it he ended up sharing it with the big one the, the big publishing companies and uh, sharing it all around. It even won an award. Um, it won a third place award. But set, hey, it was an award winner. Mm-hmm. I'm just tickled That's that it was wonderful. That it was, it was, that it was a, a third place book. award. It, well, oh, thank you. I'm I so really glad you wrote it. I enjoyed it oh. very much. Yes. Well, I love those characters. Um, and I, I have to tell you, it was rejected more than a dozen times. Uh, it probably was two dozen, but I wasn't wanting to count. So it was probably closer to mm-hmm. two dozen. Um, I, I was more than disappointed. And I was really questioning whether I was following what I was supposed to do, if I was really following the calling that I thought the Lord had given me to write. Um, mm-hmm. and, and seriously, in this questioning, the Lord did confirm things like that award winning, like that award. It was just a third place award, but it was everything I needed to keep going. Um, have you ever felt that way? Like, like maybe you haven't followed like you were supposed to? Maybe the, Maybe you're not oh. supposed to be published? Yeah, I can so relate to that. I can't even count the number of hours that that I've agonized in prayer with the Lord over these books. I mean, they have been written and rewritten and rewritten and presented and and then critiqued. And um, I did get some semifinals in some contests, but um, I was getting small things published, but I just could not push this book through. And I started thinking, maybe I was never meant to be published. Maybe writing Haven's Flight and some of these other books, maybe it's just for my own spiritual growth. But, you know, I hung in there because God encouraged me. And I have a little story about that. And it's something okay, that tell me. everyone needs to hear. 
God encouraged me through a writing friend. I was at um, an ACFW conference in Denver, and um, um, during mealtimes, I didn't know anyone. I think I knew one or two people, and they were kind of off doing their own thing. And so I took mealtimes as an opportunity to sit at different tables for each meal, and I interviewed all the writers. And one of the questions I asked them was what? Yeah, I I said, what is the most important piece of advice that you can give me, an unpublished writer? And this one sweet published author told me, and I wrote this down, so I'm going to read it. The only difference between me and the rest of my writing critique friends back home who aren't published is that I didn't give up. And, Uh. you know, what she said it stuck with me, and every time I've been tempted to give up, I remember what she said. I didn't give up. I, I love that. That is exactly true. And, you know, ultimately, my story, like yours, Dina, ended up with traditional publication. I know mm-hmm. that I'm now the publisher of my book, but I wasn't the publisher hey. of my book. When my book, was, when my book was accepted, it was accepted truly as a regular through regular publishing channels and I only jumped in at just the very last minute before the book actually came out and so so and so it's the same kind of thing as as your situation but you know through all of this process I have learned that there are actually four different types of publishing which should be very Mm -hmm. encouraging for authors out there that really want to publish their books. They really want to publish their books. And I understand. Now there are a couple of different kinds of authors. I'm going to, I'm going to rabbit trail, you know, okay. For those of you that aren't Dina and me, I'll let you know in a little secret, we actually have a little script that we're following. Now, of course it's not, actually being followed very closely but this part of it is not on it at all so I'm going to just take a little rabbit trail um there are actually two different kinds of authors and I'm I'm there are different types of publishers for each type of author there's the author like Dina and like me who are focused on our career and we're serious about having a career in writing. And this is, this is my career, Dina, this is not your only career, but I know this is, this is where you want to be and you're focused on making the best that you can be. And then there are also Mm -hmm. authors that want desperately to have their story told. And that story could be a fiction story. It could be a nonfiction story. It could be a memoir, but they want their story told. And that's a totally different, um, it's a totally different perspective. And there are different avenues that are, that are good for both types of writers. So the first avenue for publication is the traditional publication. This is what um, you have, Dina, with Through Right Integrity Press. This is what I have through Right Integrity Press. Um, there are, we are a smaller company, um, but there, we're no different than any other traditional press. The big five, okay, okay, they have more money than we do. I'm just saying. They probably have bigger offices, and they're all in New York City. Well, they're not all in New York City, but they all have these big <laughs> O'Harry plants. And I don't, we don't have that type of plant. We are a smaller um, company. There are a lot of smaller um, privately owned companies that are like Right Integrity Press for right now. Um, mm-hmm. These companies, the big ones and the small ones, and even the medium size, for all of them, an author or an agent has to make a submission. Um, they have to make a proposal. 
they have to choose the company. They have to make sure that their proposal is the way the company wants to receive it, the way the editor, the acquisitions editor wants to receive it. Now, I will tell you that Faye Lamb, and you've heard, you've, you've chatted online with Faye Lamb before, Dina. Um, Faye Lamb Mm -hmm. is one of our amazing authors. She writes incredible romance. Her last book, Hope, just tears at my heart but she also writes amazing suspense as well and Mm -hmm. she and I had um, our radio show last month and we went through the entire hour talking about how to get attention from a publisher so that's what an author will have to do or an agent will have to do for any traditional publisher whether they're a big publisher or a small publisher and I can tell you That, I mean, from, and this is going to be a whole new show. I can tell you that right now. This will be a whole nother show. But I can tell you from a publisher's, um, from a publisher's perspective, from an acquisitions editor perspective, that they're, all the authors, it's their babies. And, and I have found it very, very hard to go through my little pile of emails that rake, that I rake in every, every week, actually, and have to go through them oh. and call them out because these are their babies. And I know it's their babies, but even a yeah. small publisher like ours, we have to choose what's ready. And we're not going to choose yeah. something that's not ready. And I am so mm-hmm. thankful getting back to my story that even though I had an agent and even though we went to some of the big ones, I am so thankful that they did not publish my story because it wasn't ready. Counterpoint was not ready. Yeah. And, and your story was ready and counterpoint was not ready. No, tell me, tell me, talk to me. Well, um, you know, I started sending it out um, a few years ago and it wasn't ready and I, mm-hmm. I thought it was, but I am so grateful that I got rejected so that I could keep making the tweaks and, and deepening the characters and the story so that it was ready a few months ago to be picked up. Right. And, and that was the same thing with, with Counterpoint. It was not ready until it was picked up. And then it was ready. And, it was, and, and I could tell it was so totally different from the way it had been at the beginning. And I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret, too. You know that first, mm-hmm. that first manuscript that I said was trashed? I mean, it wasn't entirely trashed. I think I kept, I did keep the setting. It does happen in Heath's Point because they're Heath's Point suspense. And I kept the main the main characters but majority of the rest of it I kind of tossed away and I am now rebuilding it it will be the second book in that series so just just to let you know that series continues I I love the town and I love the people there um but I will say the the one thing that proposing authors will find with any traditional publishers, as I was saying, is they're at the mercy of the publisher. They have to submit either themselves or through agents. Um, And by the way, if you want to submit to one of the big five or one of the larger ones, you must have an agent. They're they're considered gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. So don't don't even consider um, trying to well, I say don't even consider make sure that you that you don't get too upset if you get rejected or ignored by one of the larger publisher publishing companies because not because they're mean or anything they're not there's some wonderful people that work at those places mm-hmm. but 
they deal most of the time with agents and some of them don't even want to look at submissions unless they're through a gatekeeper through the agent um but i will say that even if you go through an agent and this is what i did it is a lesson in patience oh my gosh the lord really gave me a lot of lessons (laughs) in patience over the last six years would you agree that that is oh totally Yes, only one time did I ever get an immediate yes to my story proposal. And during uh-huh. writing conferences, I talked to agents. I found out I did all the right things. I found out what they like. I found out what they don't like as far as proposals. I studied the requirements on their web page. I also checked out other writers' books who had been signed on by them. Um, but even after doing all that, it still took weeks and weeks before I'd get any answer. And the other thing uh-huh. about sending proposals is – some publishers and agents don't ever get back to you. And after a certain amount right. of time has passed, usually about three months, you can send a polite letter or email inquiring about the status of your proposal. Right, right. And that's it's just a follow-up. And to be honest, um, my agent had to do that with every single proposal he sent out. He ended up sending up a 90-day follow-up. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. then sometimes that they, that even got looked at um, um, or even even considered, um, even though I did the same thing you did. I went to conferences and I actually met them and had agents say, oh, please send me your manuscript. And I thought, oh, this is mm-hmm. a shoe in. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not such a I shoe I thought the in. same yeah. thing. Yeah, I know. Oh, you know um, the bottom line I, I in read traditional in- publishing. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say, um, I recently read an agent's blog, and she said that she lets her assistant do most of the reading through a query. So there's that aspect, too, that makes it challenging, is you don't even know if you've addressed this particular agent, but you don't even know if it's getting to her. And um, right. And so there's that, that whole aspect of it, too. Right, right. And I was blessed that um, my agent did have an assistant and my the assistant apparently for whatever reason liked me right away. Yeehaw. <laughs> that made me Yay. smile. <laughs> uh, so it, it got in on the on the on the front door pretty quick. Um I think the bottom line is though with traditional publishing whether you do it on your own or whether you do it through an agent that wheel turns so very slowly no matter what. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. The things that a traditional publisher has to go through, the the committees, the committee meetings that an acquisitions editor has mm-hmm. to go through just to get enthusiasm for the project. And if the enthusiasm isn't mm-hmm. there, then it's it's not going to end up being being chosen. And so that's just a huge, slow, slow wheel. Um, there is a faster way, though. I don't necessarily recommend it. I don't not recommend it, but I don't totally i mean i don't i'm kind of torn with this the opposite option is indie publishing and i'm actually Mm going to spend a whole hour talking about indie publishing with one of my besties um jackie castle is an amazing writer she is not only a Mm -hmm. romance writer but she also writes speculative oh my gosh her white rock her white road chronicles are wonderful i mean it's it's an incredible allegory she's not only one of my favorite authors but she's also my twins favorite author they absolutely love her white road chronicles Mm -hmm. um she and i are going to be talking about because she is an indie publish publish she is an indie author um and 
indie indie author is uh, is that's going to be a different thing. If you just want to get your book out, indie author is not really the way you want to do it because it takes so much to have it sold to get it into the hands of readers. Um, oh, if you so are you serious so about much yourself. Right. If you are serious about your career, then by all means, indie author, being an indie author is a really, really good option. But you do have to be serious about your career because you have to throw yourself into everything. You have to have mm -hmm. um, uh, you have to have not only either either you have to have exceptional skills as an editor and a, a graphic artist or you have to put up the money to have it professionally edited and professionally covered. Yeah, right. Um, mm -hmm. It can be extremely lucrative, however, for tra traditionally published authors. If they're willing to put in the time to do all this extra stuff, it can be very lucrative because they'll already have an established author and uh, audience. And there are several Christian authors, mm -hmm. some, some wonderful Christian authors that are going indie. Um, in fact, uh, Dr. Mabry, Dr. Richard Mabry is one of the suspense. Well, he was a suspense mister. Um, and he he just put out an, an indie published book. Um, I know that Lena Nelson Dooley, who writes Western fictions, she has republished some of her stories that have gone Ooh. off uh, and she's gotten the the rights back to. She has published some of those. Um, and there's I mean, oh, I there, are several, there are several there are several really popular and I'm ugh, the names are escaping me and I'm so mad because the names are escaping me but they're really popular authors that have gone indie mm -hmm. after establishing their audience and it can be very lucrative to do that um, for new writers it's not as profitable it can be a viable option but and it is a lot faster one of the major draws is that you have the control and you can just write the story and throw it out. Now, I have a right. bud that writes Western fiction and she's remarkable. In fact, she writes um, a lot of um, mail order bride stories and she can mm -hmm. she can chunk these guys out. She is so good at it and she and her books are so good and they have sold so, so well but I don't know anyone else that can just chunk a book out and have it go that way. She is, she is wow. remarkable and it's not the norm. Um, most of the time, it, if you just want to hurry and you just want to chunk the book out, the book is not going to be quality. It's not going to have the professionalism that you want if you are wanting to start a career. Now, if you're not wanting to start a career, then, you know, you could chunk a book out and see if it'll make a couple of bucks. Um, if you want to get, if you're serious about wanting to get a real story out, there's another option, however. Um, right, what right. I was going to say before, I, yeah, before I go into that other option, I wanted to say one of the major mm -hmm. draws for indie publishing is the control. Because with traditional publishing, if the, uh, if the publisher allows you to... Um, to have any input in the cover that's a blessing because not all of them do yeah if they mm -hmm. if they even show you the cover you know before it's a done deal 
that's a blessing because not not all of them do. Um, for an indie author, you have total control. That's both a blessing and a curse because you are entirely oh, responsible yeah. for all of it. Yes. Anything goes so, wrong, it's you. It's on you. It's on you. That's right. And, and so authoring a book as we go is becoming less and less of an isolated position. The authors need a second and third set of eyes on their books. Um, and if they mm -hmm. don't get it through traditional publishing, they have to get it somewhere or the book is not going to have that quality. Like I said, there are exceptions to the rule and I happen to know one that is just awesome, but, um, mm -hmm. but there are not that many exceptions to the rule. The rule is they need to have extra eyes on their books. Um, so it has a lot of challenges, but it does give you the highest volume of profits. Um, and I was going to say it's different than it was decades ago. Uh, but, but before I go right. into the next kind of, of publishing, do you have anything to add about indie pubbing? Well, it's just that um, I didn't want to go that route because I felt like I didn't know enough as far as um, everything having to do with the, the techie part of formatting and getting a book out there and, and doing the cover, that really scared me too. I wanted, I wanted a traditional publisher to be able to kind of do this for me and hopefully give me a little bit of input into it, into the process. Uh-huh. Uh, please tell me you felt like you got that. I did. I did. Oh, I, good. It was wonderful. <laughs> I loved working with you because... You, you weren't like this big dictator, you know, you, you actually let me give input into the cover. And I just so appreciate that, Margie. Well, and I, I love the way your cover turned out. I'm so excited to do the second and third book cover because, I'm, I mean, I'm planning on using the same kind of template. But, oh, I love the way it came out. It is by far one of my favorite covers that I've made. Um but anyway, as I was going to go into, you know, indie publishing today is totally different than it was decades ago. Decades ago when it was called self-publishing. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was the vanity publishing. But mm -hmm. even though it was called vanity publishing and it's that sounds so derogatory, it was it was mm -hmm. still a viable option and it still is a viable option today. Today it's called subsidy publishing or subsidy press. Mm -hmm. They are paid up front by an author. The author pays for the cost of the publishing. Um, pays the company, they hire the publishing company to basically create and publish the book. So they can hire like, a, there is a sub, subsidy press TMP that is a, is connected to Right Integrity. Um, uh -huh. The editor that founded Right Integrity is now the editor of TMP Books. And I was looking at their at their page just a little bit ago and she is she has different types of it's like you can buy it um a la carte you can buy one thing at a time you can buy a cover or you can buy an editing process or you could buy the formatting or you can get the whole banana um and Mm -hmm. That the way that the way that she puts it, she it's very uh, easy to understand, but they focus on one book at a time and selling it is still up to the author. No matter what kind of publishing you do, newsflash authors, I know it's hard to believe, but pup, uh, selling <laughs> your book is up to you. It is not going to be up to your publisher. 
unless you are James Patterson on television every second commercial. If you're him, then yeah. then the editor is selling the books. But otherwise, you're on your own when it comes to selling the books. You have to come up with your audience, mm -hmm. and you have to um, you have to stick your purple cow right in front of them. Um, so subsidy press is also a viable option. Now, this is not going to be a really good option for someone that's wanting to start a career because it's just going to it's going to cost too much, um, too much up front. And, and for every book that they want to do, if they're wanting to put out enough books to start a career and to um, draw an audience, it's going to cost too much for them to do this kind of publishing. Right. So they're going to end right. up having to do um, the publishing that they're going to end up wanting to do is going to be um, they're this kind of publishing goes better for somebody that has a one book that has one story mm -hmm. they want to get out. Um, we are almost out of time and I want to make sure that I get to my last type of publishing because it's one that I just learned about. It's kind of a combination of the other three. It's called an independent publisher. It's not self-publishing. Mm -hmm like an independent, it's not self-publishing like a subsidy, but it is. It's not indie pubbing, but it kind of is. And it's not traditional publishing, publishing, but it kind of is. It has little aspects of all three of them. So for traditional publishing, right. the reason it's kind of like them is because it handpicks the process. An independent publisher will handpick the projects that they're going to put their name on. Um, the way it's like uh, self-publishing is that they set it up um, uh, they set it up like a subsidized press in that the author doesn't pay the publishing company a fee, but they do pay all of the publishing fees, if that makes any sense at all. So instead of they wouldn't pay like the subsidized press, they would pay them $1,000 to publish their book. An independent publisher, they would pay them $46.50 for the cover images that they're going to purchase to make their cover or they pay you mm -hmm. know the $98 to have it formatted correctly for this particular distributor um, because all of those different parts will cost money and so an independent publisher passes those costs along to the author but they're still going to handpick their project like a traditional publisher so the indie pub indie pub uh, or the independent publisher does give a little more control to the author and that they can choose, you know, covers and they can choose between different things. Um, not as much control as you would have as an indie author. And you do have more right. royalties. Um, mm -hmm. But then I don't think that they make any more royalties than we do at Right Integrity Press because we're a small company. We can afford to give out the royalties that we give out too. So anyway, there are four different avenues for an author to pursue publication. Um, mm -hmm. um, I was going to go through the kind of the steps for for traditional publishing because we're an a traditional publisher, but we only got like 10 minutes left. So I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> It's just, it, I mean, we've just, it's, we just chatted. I told you we were just going to chat and that it just is that way. We've not just enough hours that. in the day. <laughs> yeah, not you know, bad. it just is. But tell me, Dina, what has been your favorite part of the publishing process? Well, um, I would say, how do I, well, I'm, let me think about that for a second. Yeah, that's kind of, it's kind um, of a hard question. There, there's so many fun, exciting things and things that kind of make you breathless. I would say that 
just watching that manuscript um, take shape, turn into something through the publisher that's more than just something on your computer, that it's something that you know in a short time that readers are going to hold in their hands. Um, I know one of the things that we had to do was uh, write about yourself, and you have to put out oh, kind hard. of a biography, and, and that's kind of hard because you want to make it just right. And there's so many things you could say, but you don't want to write a book about yourself. You want people to read yeah. the book that you wrote. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. Not your biography. I totally so, get that. Yeah. What is it? What is it? What's the best information that you can give? And what do readers want to know about you, the author? And I think most readers are, they're curious about writers. They think there's something kind of different about writers. They want to know if, are you quirky? It's the Jessica. It's the Jessica Fletcher. Uh, it's the Jessica Fletcher yes. mentality. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, Is there something surprising about you? Yeah. And, and I always, sit here like and I they think, said, "Well, have you always been a writer?" Well, no. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's of course not. I was a liver before I was a writer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to tell you, one of my favorite things about just uh, not necessarily the publishing process, but just writing in general, and I'm just going to share it. In one of my stories, um, my my characters, I mean, I have friends that say their characters talk to them and stuff like that. And I just kind of laugh and nod mm -hmm. my head and think, wow, that is really weird. <laughs> but that happens. I was writing this story and suddenly... I, I wrote something down and I went, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. I, and it was like, well, this was in my own head. And my girls are looking at me like I had three eyes. I see. Okay. I can't <laughs> tell what it is because one of these days, the story is going to come out. So I, you know what? I can tell you what I did last Thursday. I wrote for the first time uh -huh. since I took over Write Integrity Press last Thursday. I think I mentioned that. I was so excited to sit down and write for two hours. And I got to the end of the first chapter. And I'm writing for anybody that knows my um, my Grime Fighter series. It's a series of novella, novella mysteries. Um, and I have four books and I have the fifth one. The fifth one is the finale. And I've been planning it and planning it and telling people about it for months now and I had intended for it to come out in December and with with taking over right integrity I wasn't even able to start the book and so I finally started this story last Thursday and I got oh, through good. the first chapter yes I got it all planned out all that I want to do and how I want it to work and everything and I, I was working through the first chapter and writing and boy I was getting into it it was really fun and I got toward the end of the chapter and I started writing and I got to the last sentence of the chapter and went oh my gosh I can't believe I just did that and Danny is is on the run. She is uh, even from the very beginning of the first book. She is in witness mm -hmm. protection, and you learn oh. through, I guess, the last book. You learn through the last book that she's running away from a person named Robert. And my very last sentence of the of the chapter was Robert had found her, and I went, "Wait a minute, that is not at all where I had planned to go with this. What am I going to oh. do now?" <laughs> so, I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> so I guess I'll figure I don't it out. Know. This they do. Thursday. They do. Yeah, they kind of just that. take you places. And you know, Margie, what I've noticed is I have to be careful about the kind of music I have on when I'm writing because 
sometimes the music <laughs> will lead me in a in a direction and I go, no, 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 that's not what I was planning to do. And then I have to take that music off and put on yes, the appropriate music. <laughs> right. You are a musician. You are a musician. That is so yeah. funny. I find that when I'm writing my um, romantic suspense, I tend to turn on show um, movie. Um, I can't think of the word, but movie, movie songs, movie stuff. Oh, the, the movie or the background. Scenes. Yeah. The background yeah. stuff and from things like um, the Avengers and Batman and all mm-hmm. those kinds of, because it gives me that impending doom feeling. And that's oh, the yeah. feeling that I need. I do that so too. It's not what my characters listen to, but I do have a friend. Uh, well, Jackie Castle, I've already mentioned her. I, um, she, has a tendency to play what her characters will listen to. And she actually makes up a listening, a YouTube um, channel for her characters so that when she puts a book out, she also puts out a YouTube channel. Isn't that cool? What a great idea. I just love that part. I just love that. I thought I love that idea. Well, I am so glad that you got to join us today, Dina. This is exciting. And we had a good time chatting. I had a feeling we would end up. Well, I had a feeling we would end up just chatting. And I'm excited for your book launch. I'm excited for Haven's Flight. It is riveting. I Anyone that enjoys suspense or thrillers is going to love the story. I, it, it, has, it has me at the, it had me at the edge of my seat the entire time. I couldn't go to sleep. I mean, seriously, I'm reading it at 2 in the morning. It was not fun. I ought to fuss at you oh, for that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I, I am so glad to hear you say that because, you know, um, my moniker is up all night fiction. So, um, oh, I'm hoping well, that, it did. It worked. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping the next two books will also keep you up at night. Oh, I'm so glad. I am so glad. Well, seriously, if you're listening, take a moment right now. Go get that book. You'll either get it the ebook or the print book. Get it at Amazon. If you type in Haven's Flight, it'll show you that book right on top. And then come back next month and join us on Pumping Lane. Um, it's always the first Tuesday. It's always at 7 p.m. Central. This one's going to be on May 2nd, I think. And I was telling you about Jackie Castle. Well, she is going to be my special guest. Um, she is an extraordinary in, uh, successful indie author. And so we're going to be talking about the ins and outs of indie publishing in particular. Now, I've done indie publishing. She's done indie publishing. We know several folks and their stories. And we're going to hash some of them out and tell you not only the benefits, but also some of the extra challenges um, that we haven't gone in through tonight. So I hope you'll come back and join us. Um, if you have any questions about publishing, particularly if you have any questions about indie publishing, I hope that you will email me. And here's my email address, Down Publishing Lane. Now, it's Down Publishing is spelled normally. Lane is L-A-I-N-E. That's my middle name downpublishinglane at gmail.com. If I happen to use your question, I will send you a free book. Well, if you live in the States, I'll send you a free book. Um, We hope that you will be with us here on Publishing Lane again next month. Now, let's see. I have two minutes left from what I'm looking at. One minute, 44 seconds. And so, Dina, really quick, tell me your favorite, um, dogs or cats? Oh, probably donkeys. (laughs) I saw a video today on goats. I'm like, okay, I want a goat. (laughs) 
Oh, I love goats too. <laughs> that would be fun. This one was hysterical because it was somebody doing weightlifting with goats. And I'm thinking, oh, that is just a scream. I want a goat. I could probably do that with my new dog. I told you I got a new dog, didn't I? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yes. He is. His name is Hank after Hank the Cow Dog series. That's a children's book series. Oh, and I just absolutely I love, love. Yeah, Perfect his name is dog. Hank. And he smiles. I love it. He's a boxer terrier mix and he actually smiles. I am always going to be a dog person. I, I, I can't mm -hmm. be a cat person. I've tried. I just can't. I, it's not that I don't like oh, cats. I love them There's both. a cat across the street that I'll love on from time to time, but I just, I'm just too much of a dog person. So yeah, it's just the way it great. is. Yeah, dogs are great. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm more like a dog than I am like a cat because I'm just a happy-go-lucky, <laughs> what can I do to please you type of person. And so I, I'm, I'm, I can identify with dogs a little better. Okay, we have just talked our circles around publishing and dogs and creepy stalker kind and we're going to sign off from Down Publishing Lane and we hope to hear from you and talk to you next month. This has been Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. If you'd like to learn more about Margie and her publishing company, visit writeintegrity.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.